Hey everybody, it's Christian Bernard, your dungeon master for Swords and Swagger. This intro and subsequently this episode is going to be a bit shorter. We're trying something different here. Not at all to mention we recorded this minisode and the next full-length episode with a completely different setup. This minisode is going to dive more into some character-specific scenes, pull back the veil on our heroes Decimus, Fang, and Svati. As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy it. See you next time. Decimus, you find yourself at your family's castle in the seventh level of the Nine Hills. What What is... What does the castle for Decimus's family look like? The Blackfire Castle. The Blackfire Castle, of course, is black. What else do you want? What? Give us some describing features. Why? Why would someone in the seventh level of hell know what this looks like? Because it's the largest structure on this level. Many parapets surrounding the central courtyard, with all the uh, hanging corpses. The torture rooms down below. Does I'm getting it, homesick just thinking about it. Would you say that you hear lots of noises from the people that are being tortured? Oh yeah, of course. That's that's everywhere you go around here. Okay, so we we find you in this castle. Your, Screams resounding around me. You're in an argument with your father, whose name is. My first reaction was Bill. <laughs> that's my dad. Uh, I haven't put any thought into this. Let me, uh, give me a second. What is Decimus's father's name? Bartimus Blackfire. Bartimus Blackfire. Bartimus. That rolls out the tongue. It does. So you're in your castle with Bartimus Blackfire. You're in his study, and he turns to you and says, Why are you abandoning the family? You're going to make me sit in an office all day? You think that sounds, does that, have you enjoyed this for your whole life? This, this is the family way. Why, it's, why do I have to do it? I don't understand. You know I'm, I'm not cut out for this. Bartimus pulls a uh, journal off the wall, and a journal, more like a tome, actually, and he drops it on the desk. You can see that it has the crest of the Blackfire family on it, and what does that look like? I haven't thought of any of these questions. <laughs> uh, it's a tiefling skull missing its lower jaw with fangs like all of ours set in the center is the infernal rune for fire. So you can see that your dad is sort of running his hand over it, as he has done so many times in in this study where he's scolded you and tried to educate you, as he has said. And he, this time, he seemed, he looks a little defeated. Like, he's, he's talked to you so many times, he's tried to impress upon you that this is so important, and at this point, he just turns and he just points at the door. What, you, you actually want me to leave? I'll, I'll leave. If you don't find this important, you should just go. It's not important, just sitting around counting money and souls all day. He goes to the edge of his desk and just sits down. His back is to you. You've tortured one man, you've tortured them all. How many fingernails can I pull out in my career? This isn't exciting. He says nothing. All right, I'm leaving. I'm going. So you walk out the door and you have hanging about your neck just ben- beneath your tunic is a p- 
pendant that you have been trying to keep hidden from your family. And it's a has the symbol of your current patron. And no one but you has seen it. You are on your way and it starts to vibrate. Where do you go? Straight to my bedroom. As you go, it it starts to like kind of make a noise, like a bit of a tinny sort of maybe like the sound you'd hear if someone's like talking through a tin can. Uh, do you hurry to your Yes, room? not now. I can't do this now. Okay, so you run down the hall and you run across. Your room is in the highest tower in the castle. So you're running, like holding this thing on your chest, trying to keep anybody else from hearing it. And Peaches is coming down the stairs as you're headed up your to your bedroom. I grab Peaches and throw him further down the stairs. As he hits the stairs and he's just falling his way down, you get into your bedroom. The amulet won't wait anymore. It like shoots out this light and in front of you is the spirit and the spirit says hi decimus it's been too long your timing is impeccable Sfari, you find yourself back on your home island of ruatim in the far western seas you're hanging out near the local watering hole, which is the most popular place for you and yours to hang out. What do they call this place? This, of course, is uh, the it doubles as a government building and a mead hall. Um, so this is where the current Jarl of my village resides, and you can go in there and you can purchase some of his household mead. Not only do they conduct affairs here, they also drink a great deal. It is the Ruatim way. Okay, so you're here. You're a bit younger than you are in the current story. Yes, my beard is not as quite big. This is years ago when Ephiot is still here too, before he left to go and work for the uh, Red Sails Shipping Company. You're partying. There's, mm-hmm. there's some event going on. You're not exactly sure what it is because you are insanely drunk. I think it was a wedding, or it could have been a funeral, or it could have been Tuesday. The, all three of those events are ex- celebrated in the exact same way. And they can happen on the same day. You're, I have broken the dungeon daddy. You're here, and basically they're passing out the Jarl's Mead, and you've taken more than your fair share of it. You're upset. Why, why is Safari upset right now? <clears throat> pa has lost his leg in the mine, and there is no other way for my family to support themselves. So I have ventured off as the oldest brother to try and find work in the mine, or perhaps fishing, or even with a merchant ship. But I cannot hold a single job down, so I am drowning my sorrows in the wonderful blackberry mead of the Jarl. Ephir comes up to you and he notices that you're much, a little more soused than usual. Brother, I see that you've helped yourself. Um, maybe we should go outside and uh, burn some of this in the moonlight. I know what you are trying to do to me, Ephir, but I do not think that is a great idea, for I have just gotten a refill and... 
I feel Yara Stigander would be insulted if I let it go to waste. Normally he parties with you, and right now he looks really, really concerned, and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, Brother, maybe we go outside and we talk about this. Very well, brother. I shall go outside with you. As you're walking outside, you hear the two guards at the front door uh, start talking about you in your native tongue, and they say something to the effect that they're like, oh yeah, that's funny, he's just him and his pa and his brother, they're just, they're worthless. Perhaps you could say that to my face instead of talking around my back like the two little bitches that you are. So Ephiater notices that you're getting a little rowdy, and again, he would engage... But he is like holding you back and says, brother, that's not worth it. And the two guards say, yeah, of course, not worth it to this pup of a man. Do you not hear how they are insulting me, brother? I, I hear them, brother. I, but... I, must, I must defend mine and my family's honor. So what, what does Safari do? Um, so first of all, I want to point out that while Safari in this podcast is probably sounding quite intelligible yep. and you can understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reality, it's probably coming out. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> and um, so at this point, I think Sfari is kind of upset and incredibly drunk. So he's going to swing at one of the guards. Okay. The so he, you try to hit him and the guy just like pushes Sfari over. It, yeah. It's just, he's like a child and they, our Ephir tries to defend you, uh, and he gets punched in the face. Uh, as you're getting up, you can see that like a storm is brewing across the horizon. Uh, what do you do? So Svari, after seeing Ephir get punched in the face, is really upset. So he just gets he just sees red mm-hmm. and just jumps on the guards. So after this event, uh, you wake up and it's morning, and Ephir is like there, and you can see he's more beat up than you, like. Something happened during the night, and you go outside to look, and the mead hall, it's just like in shambles. Like it's on, a, it's something burned it down. Holy shit! If what happened to the mead hall? Fang, in your life early on. You tried to escape with a particularly, we'll go with magical pendant that drew your attention. It was so shiny. Where did you find this? I saw it hanging off of the pocket in the market of some woman. Some woman? What did she look like? Uh, you know, she's so-so. So-so? Was she human? Was she an orc? You know, I really don't remember. I suppose that makes sense. So I was young and I was just drawn to this pendant. I just... Couldn't think of anything else. So let's set the scene. Is it like market day? Is it like... Yeah. Okay. So we'll just... We'll, we'll go right in here. So the Baldur's Gate's huge. And the market district is somewhere close to the docks district. And it's like a farmer's market day. All the farmers are here. All the main merchants are here. They're all trading. It's all... There's tons and tons of stuff going on. So you went to the market in hopes of stealing something... I wouldn't say I was looking to steal. I was just going about my day. So you're going about your day, and out in front of you walks a woman dressed in a purple traveling cloak and a a funny-looking purple hat. And hanging off her right pocket 
is a silver jeweled pendant. I definitely need to get at that. So what did what did Fang do immediately? Looked at all the possibilities. Who was around? What was going on? So that you what saw, was the exits? You saw a couple guards, but they're kind of off. Like they're hanging near the more wealthy merchants. They're hanging out near like the armor. They're hanging out near the swordsmith. You know the more interesting bits of the market. I casually walked up to her, ever so slightly, not, not conspicuous at all. Just to get close enough to reach in and take it. So just as you were reaching for it, something told you, some sixth sense told you that this was a bad idea. Because as soon as you grabbed it, she turned around and grabbed your wrist. But you were sly enough to escape. But she yelled for the guards and they just converged and started chasing after you. Where did you go after that? I went for the place that I know is good for hiding, down this one alleyway. So you're running down the alley and you see that it... You thought you had known Baldur's Gate in like the back of your hand, but this particular alley led you down into the docks district. I must have taken a wrong turn in all the excitement. So you turned, you're running along the path and running and running and running, and the guards are screaming, they're wielding their swords, and then suddenly your foot catches and you're you tumble into the water. What happens? Well, I don't think I've been swimming before. So you're drowning? I did not know what to do. So you're floating down. I was flailing. Not really floating. You're probably yeah. sinking like a stone at this point. <laughs> Having trouble. The water's getting into your lungs. And then you feel it. The, vi- the vibrations from this pendant, it starts glowing. It's like the last thing that you see just before you think that this is the final moment of your life. And then you find yourself on the docks. The last thing you remember is holding the amulet tightly in your claw.